And we are live, episode 21, Business and Buckets. Love that I'm in the 20s already. Uh, thanks for tuning in, supporting the weekly sports podcast and monthly business podcast. But before we jump into uh, this past week in sports and what's on the top of my mind in the sports world, let's talk a little bit about field supplements. The bit, And I got the shirt right here, got the little sponsorship going. The Business and Buckets podcast is proudly sponsored by Field Supplements. If you're an elite athlete, a busy mom on the go, or just looking for the perfect product to suit your daily wellness needs, Field Supplements has you covered. Choose from their selection of premium sports and wellness formulas backed by over 30 years of market experience. And whether you're trying to run a 4040, lift over 400 pounds, or enjoy life for another 40 years, Field Supplements has a variety of products to do exactly what you need for your specific goals. So head over to FuelSupplements.com and use my promotion code BUCKETS for 20% off everything except whey protein. Uh, whether you need your pre-workouts, you need your you know, um, athletic greens, you need some multivitamins, uh, some recovery, they got you set up. And um, I know I'm, I'm getting involved in, his, in the Fueled Supplement line myself, uh, really enjoying the comeback for helping with some of my soreness and workout recovery. And then also knocked out for helping me get some better Z's. I'll be taking that tonight as well. But let's talk sports. We'll start with the NFL. We got the NFL draft coming up on this Thursday. I'm super hyped up about that. I love me some NFL drafts. I love watching how the actual draft happens and how crazy off the mock drafts are. The idea that there's going to be so many quarterbacks, um, the teams are kind of desperate for quarterbacks, I just feel, I think it might be a little bit blown out of proportion because that never happens. And the teams know, like, outside of Trevor Lawrence, probably one of these guys is going to work out. So, you know, taking a high draft pick like that, it could put it could put you back a little bit when you could get the best player available. You got uh, amazing linemen, offensive talent, uh, some defensive talent as well. So um, when it comes to my Pittsburgh Steelers, I really hope they trade back a little bit, get two first round, uh, second round picks, be able to draft a running back in the second, get a lineman and potentially another lineman as they need to recover from uh, Pouncey's retirement. DeCastro's getting older. The line's been rough. There's no run game to support Big Ben in that offense. So I would like to have a running back, but the idea of drafting a running back in the first round, you know, I've gone over this philosophy many a times. They just have short sh shelf life. Why not get the lineman, trade back, get two first or two seconds and still get a, a running back. As long as you get Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, or uh, the cat out of North Carolina, I'm blanking on his head right now. I think you're going to be set up for success. So um, I hope that's the case. So we don't just, you know, jump forward for Nod, Nod, Najee Harris. Cause I don't know. I, I like the guy, but I think that's just a little much. The census is saying that the first pick quarterback, second pick quarterback, third pick quarterback, the Niners moving into that third spot, Atlanta four, potentially even one, two, three, four. I would almost, you know, I might have to look at it, even put some little parlays down. Uh, that'd be a good parlay to put on because I'm sure, I have a feeling that it's not going to be one, two, three quarterbacks. I feel like the Niners got in. They wanted Penne Sewell, the lineman, this whole time. And I think that they are, are kind of blowing smoke. But hey, what the hell does anybody know? It's all just guesstimations. And usually, even the best of the best, the McShays, everybody are way off. So the Kuipers, you can't figure it out until you tune in Thursday. 
And then once your team does make their move on Thursday, you'll, you'll kind of get an understanding where they're going the rest of the draft. Now, supposedly the Niners are going to take Mac Jones or Trey Lance with that number three overall. And this is why I think it doesn't make any sense for the Niners. You got Jimmy G. He plays consistent football. He doesn't do anything too crazy. He's had some injury issues. Is Mac Jones or Trey Lance going to be better at the end of the day than Jimmy is today? And is that going to put you in a win-now position because the way the Niners are built, like they have a window right now that they can win the next couple of years. So Trey Lance seems more developmental to me. He's played with North Dakota State. I think he, he has some development to go. And then there's Mac Jones, who really bursted on the scene this year as a senior in Alabama. The accuracy, you know, he had all the weapons that you could ever ask for. Two big-time receivers that will be in the NFL and Najee Harris. Um, obviously, the defense does its thing. Potentially, if all goes right, I could see Mac Jones having a better career than um, Jimmy. But you think about it right now, like, that's not really going to make you better. You can get the best lineman going to make you better. You're, you have great offensive weapons. You, ha you have a run game that's very important. That'll alleviate some pressure off Jimmy. Unless Jimmy is like, I don't know. Unless he, he they're just so worried about his injury history, they made that move. But uh, I just don't like the idea of them drafting a quarterback. And I'm not a 49ers fan. It just doesn't make much sense to me. And I'm already sorry for the Jets. Uh, you guys drafting Zach Wilson, if that is the case. He has high upside. He, he shows some flash of potential. But with him being forced to start, especially in a franchise like the Jets and where they stand... He's not going to be better than Darnold. He's going to be in for a, a tough start to his career. And going from somewhere um, like the University, BYU, with, you know, pretty good fan base, decent competition, to the Jets, how hyped they'll be on him. And if, you know, one game, two game, three games, he just looks bad. Like, it's going to be a shitstorm. And I couldn't imagine that young man being able to handle that. So sorry for Mr. Zach Wilson. I'm sorry for the New York Jets. It's just not the right move. It's not a match made in heaven. Sam Darnold, though, happy for you. High five, my man. Now, um, supposedly Julio Jones is on the block, which, you know, there's been rumors the past few years. The Falcons, supposedly with their cap situation, they don't really have much of a choice. Um, if you're a receiver needy team, you got to swoop that guy off the shelf, right? If he's up there, I'm swooping. Um, the man is just... I mean, one of the most physically gifted wide receivers I've seen in my lifetime. He is only, let's see how old he is. He's only 30, oh, he's 32 years old, but he's still very high peak potential. Um, if I'm in a team that has a short window, aka Baltimore Ravens that have no receivers, you know, they tried fucking Des Bryant. I don't know what it's going to take to swoop them, but I, you know, just the way the trades have been going for big name receivers lately, Stephon Diggs, AB, yada, yada. I think you could get him on a pretty reasonable price. And if your team's like the Ravens, the Colts, now that you have Carson Wentz, the Bears, the Bears, and the, the football Giants, maybe, like those would be great fucking moves for them. Help Danny Dimes. Uh, Chicago, you, you need something like you got to make a move for him if he's available, in my opinion. And other news outside of drafting and draft night, Sean Lee retiring a great linebacker. I played linebacker in high school, love the linebacker position. Always. I, I think one of my favorite positions and favorite players in the NFL are usually linebackers. And this man, what an amazing performer he was when it comes to 
football IQ, studying film, performing, his athleticism, his quickness. You know, for a good five years, he was one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Um, you know, reminds me a lot of Luke Keekley and his preparation and the way he performs. Uh, had a lot of injuries towards the end of his career, which, you know, all those years he's put his body through five yards of smashing people. You can't blame him. Uh, but Sean Lee officially retiring. What a career, Mr. Sean Lee. And in other news, the Chiefs making moves before the draft, acquiring Oklahoma alumni Orlando Brown. And now they have added him, Joe Thune, and Kyle Long to their offensive line. Should I just call Vegas and book in that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl now? They got Cheetah, you got Kelsey, you got Pat Mahomes, you got all the weapons that they have, and now they have Thune, Kyle Long, and Orlando Brown to their weakness. Like, holy balls, ladies and gentlemen. Are the Chiefs going to be tough to stop on offense? Uh, you're just going to have to be able to keep up with just scoring with them, in my opinion. And if you're the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos, who have to play this team twice, good luck. Better start studying film now. Really, that's it when it comes to football, right? We're dead in the offseason. The schedule is going to be coming out in May, but we have draft night. Next week, we'll recap the draft, uh, give you know some props, some players that I like, some, some good fits that I like, and be able to digest that further. So if you've been tuning in, you're missing some football, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the dead of the offseason. I'm not doing my own mock drafts. I don't really have time to, to watch all the film. And even if I were to give you a mock draft, I'd want to bring high-level mock drafting, right? And I just don't have the time for that. Um, other people do it. I, you know, I went and digested some of the mock drafts that were out early and gave my opinion on that. Um, but at the end of the day, mock drafts are usually completely fucking in left field. So let's talk fights, though, because every week you tuning in, you MMA fans, we bring in that smoke because the UFC, come summertime, usually puts on some shows. And was this weekend a show? UFC 261 in a sold-out Jacksonville arena. I got the chills just sitting on my couch with the homies, watching the fight, and seeing the energy of fans again. We got to see some fans in football in the playoffs, some some lower capacity crowds, see some fans at baseball. Texas Rangers have a full house. I haven't been able to see that, and baseball fans aren't quite as rowdy. But the energy of that fight night, you could tell from the early prelims, the fans were in the stands early, which I love if you're paying, watch the fights. And there was some a uh, couple early bangers in the early prelims that I just knew the night was going to be set. And oh boy, did we have lots of action happening this past Saturday. But before we dive into Saturday, some main uh, headlines in the UFC world, some fights that have been booked. We got Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. That's going to be a banger. Both guys just throwing smoke. Jamal trying to move his way up as kind of a a young fighter, uh, really just kind of defining his craft and skills. And Paul Craig, a vet that's been around. Drew Dober coming off, you know, a loss not that long ago, fighting Brad Riddell. Stylistically, should be a banger. We have Kyler Matrix Phillips in the bantamweight, getting the toughest fight of his career with Rafael Asuncao. You can't tell me, based off those matchups, that that's not going to be must-see TV right there. Randy Costa booked against Adrian Yanez in the bantamweight division. We saw Yanez lay some bombs not that long ago. Um, another awesome stylistic matchup. And then we have Enumclaw native here in Washington 
Chase Hooper, the young buck fighting Steven Peterson. I don't know a lot about Steven Peterson, but I love watching me some Chase Hooper. He's improving his striking. Uh, interested to see what he can bring to the table. And then outside of the UFC, Miss Rachel Ostevich signing with Bare Knuckle Boxing. She's following the Paige Van Zandt, the PVT path by looking pretty and getting smoked in the face. Uh, whatever pays the bills, girl. You know, it is what it is. Paige Van Zandt, I doubt we'll be fighting much more in Bare Knuckle or anywhere. Um, her titties sell the tickets. Uh, uh, you know, she has her own Paige Van Zandt website. I don't know if it's OnlyFans or what's going on. I would assume Rachel Ostevich has something of that nature. But get your bread. Do what you got to do. Um, you know, we'll probably tune in to see what happens. It is what it is. And in a, some bummerish news, the TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen fight called off today as TJ had a laceration or cut in his eye from a headbutt and in, in, uh, sparring. Super bummed about that. I was really excited. I even had notes on here to talk about the anticipated uh, comeback of TJ Dillashaw. But it seems like something that they could turn around quickly. He just needs that to heal. Because if you're a fighter, you know having this massive laceration in your eye, someone punches that open a couple or hits that a couple times, it can open up, cause bleeding. You can't see. It's going to affect your fight. Um, so hopefully, you know, a month or so, we can get that back booked up because I'm trying to see TJ back in that octagon. And, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long damn time. And everyone wants to see how he can perform after the drug suspension. Holy shit, though. The atmosphere in Jacksonville, Florida, the fans being back, the energy, uh, even seeing the announcers together. We had Joe Rogan back with DC, uh, John Anik, you know, the reactions that they had uh, ringside, like badass, really cool to see. I, I really enjoy that versus them being like, sep you know, COVID separated. Um, Jake Paul, early in the prelims, the, the crowd was chanting and I couldn't understand. I thought they were saying someone sucked. Uh, but it was, fuck Jake Paul. Fuck Jake Paul. They obviously saw him in there. He was chilling with AB. Business is booming. And the crowd was booming and just giving him the boo birds. Uh, that was kind of funny. Uh, you know, especially after Jake Paul calling out all these big guys. Uh, like he's, he, you know, he's the fucking, the, the man. Um, after this social media battle with DC. DC, after his fight, asked for a couple minutes, went and confronted him supposedly he's just pissed off the way he's, you know, talking to him. Um, you know, Jake Paul is going to try to make drama out of it. If you're DC, you're a UFC fighter, just don't give the guy any attention. Don't give him any credit. You know, you're helping build his brand. He lives off the drama. But first fight card back with fans, three title fights, three title fights. We got Usman. We got Rose Namajunas. We got Valentina Bullet Shevchenko. You knew it was going to perform. And, um, you know, uh, I would expect a lot of banging to hap be happening. I know I, I threw down on some bets. I had some finishes, some prop bets. Threw down on my parlay. I talked about some of the locks with you guys last week. Um, but, you know, Jorge Usman, Jorge being on the short notice, everyone wants to see if he could really perform much better. I didn't have much high expectations that he's going to drastically change the script. And then um, with the matchup of Rose and Wei Lei, 
I thought this, you know, after the Joanna fight could very much be fight of the year candidate, especially after that uh, Joanna Weile fight and how good the Joanna Rose Namajunas fights have been. I felt like they're all pretty, you know, pretty close within skill. And they are high-level strikers, which there's not a lot of them in the women's UFC. You got a handful to 10 that are very elite high-level strikers, and that's why they demolished the, the other competition. But hey, I threw in a $50 parlay, won $15.55 right before my Hawaii trip. Cannot complain about that. But let's talk prelims. Um, really great performance to start off in the early prelims in a division that probably needs it the most, and that is the flyweight division. We had Jeffrey Molina, unanimous decision over I, he, supposedly one name, Aroling. Um, Chinese guy, he threw bombs as well. Both fighters really leaving it on the canvas early. Um, you know, his nickname is the Mongolian Murderer, so I'm just going to call him by that. But the, early it looked like the Mongolian Murderer was going to finish Molina. Like he came out throwing smoke. Uh, Molina was just able to stay calm, cool, collected. And it looked like round two, um, the Mongolian murderer was getting gassed. Well, uh, Molina would just sit here and literally just keep throwing bombs, like, like hold them back, lock them up. Like this isn't quick. He's just sitting there. And the other guy, the Mongolian murderer is like, you know, covering up. He was getting tired and Molina was just throwing it at him. He ended up landing 210 strikes. And 189 significant strikes, which is the most in flyweight history. So bravo, Mr. L Molina. He doesn't look very vicious, but he was back there just throwing him away uh, after he was able to weather that early onslaught from the Mongolian murderer. Um, both fighters should move up within the division over time. Um, I'm sure they'll both be a pain for anybody that comes their way. If I look at the flyweight rankings right now i don't believe melina got put in there but the bottom half of the flyweight you know it's been a struggle the ufc's talked about potentially cutting that out sadly uh but seeing fights like this two unranked guys you can't beat it i enjoyed it it really set the pace for this badass fight card and neither of them are in the top 15 um but yeah i mean 15 through 11 i don't really know shit about uh, so I'm assuming that they could use some more talent in that division. Promising young fighters. Moving on, the first fight of my parlay, Brandon Allen with the first round submission over Carl Robertson. Uh, Allen aggressive early, got a couple takedowns. On the second one, they went into this crazy scramble and they were both trying like this leg ankle lock. Well, with five seconds left, Brandon Allen got it, was able to give me my first dub on my parlay, and it was a... It was quite the fight, you know, crazy scramble, the shit that you do, you just don't see that often. Uh, but Allen is right outside the top 15. I would love to see him fight again soon. Uh, middleweight stacked. You got guys like Ronaldo Souza, Ian Heinish right outside the top 15. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to see him come back soon uh, and fight because anybody within the top 15 will be a good matchup for him. We also had Randy Brown with a first-round submission over Alex Cowboy Oliveira. I had picked Alex. I didn't put him in my parlay, thank goodness, 
because Brown came out hot at the gate and took Cowboys back. Started throwing punches, got the takedown, took his back. That's all she wrote. Rear naked choke. Mark it up in the books. So we had couple finishes, nice banger with Molina, even though he didn't finish uh, the fight. I knew that, you know, the other fighters are hearing and watching this. The fans are feeling the energy. I knew we were building up come main card time. And the first main card bout, we had some bangers. We have Anthony Smith, who is the number ranked, number six ranked fighter in the division, with the first round TKO of the, you know, heavy-handed up-and-comer, Jim Crute. Smith looked great to start the fight. You know, and um, he was just smoking Crute with this left jab that he had. It was fast. It was powerful. It was piecing up Crute's face early. And Crute, to give him um, his respect, was really messing up Smith's leg. He was giving some really powerful leg kicks. And you could tell that, you know, if this was going to last a couple, uh, you know, late two or three rounds, that it was really going to have an effect on Smith. Uh, but Smith stayed pretty aggressive. Uh, was able to counter those kicks with that jab, uh, threw a couple nice rights. Um, then all of a sudden, Smith threw a leg kick of his own, and it seemed to, you know, I haven't seen the official prognosis of this, but it looks like he hit that leg nerve like the Sean O'Malley, the Henry Cejudo, and his leg just went numb. A big, stocky guy like that, he was pushing. He got a takedown after his leg went numb, which is fucking crazy. Smith got up. It was like calm, cool, collected. You know, Kroot can't even. He's got one fucking leg at this point. And then he's standing, just rolling his ankles. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this has got to be terrible for him. Like, his leg is straight fucking jello right now. Um, made it to the end of the first. Going into the second, they were about to start the round. They called the fight because he was like, yeah, let's go. And he rolled his ankle again. Uh, but it was weird that they called the fight and didn't let that round start because in the other fights that I've seen this happen, you know, Sean O'Malley, they let the fight continue. He fucking broke his leg and fought part of the fight with a broken leg, uh, broken foot. So I don't know. You got to give the guy a chance. He even admitted he would have pulled guard to start the round, which is fine. Uh, but I'm also kind of sour about it because if Smith would have got the technical finish in the second round, I would have won an extra 150 bucks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you got to give the guy a chance. Either way, you know, this is a big-time win for Anthony Smith, even though it went like that. Like, he was, in my opinion, clearly going to win that fight. And Jim Crute, like Smith said, he's going to be a killer one day. He's young. He's got plenty of time. Um, but now Smith's right back in contender's row, right where he wanted to be. Looking at the rankings, though, it's 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 going to be tricky to see what happens next. Um, you know, we have the Jan Blachowicz glover Teixeira match coming up right now. Uh, we have some potentials with maybe even him getting the winner or loser of the Dominic Reyes Yuri Pachaka fight um, that's happening this weekend that we'll talk about. I don't know, but you look at the the light heavyweight di division. I wouldn't mind seeing him against anybody ranked ahead of him. Uh, you got Yuri, Tiago Santos, Dominic, Alexander Rachik, the fucking beastly young up and comer that should be fighting for a title or potentially get the winner of the Jan Glover Teixeira fight. Uh, but either way, excited to see Anthony Smith back, Lionheart Smith, back in the win column. And then the fight, uh, I had Anthony Smith in my parlay, so I was able to hit that one. Uh, the fight that made me the most nervous when it came to my parlay, we had Uriah Hall versus um, Chris Weidman, All-American Weidman. And, you know, the fight didn't really develop much. We didn't get to see much from either fighter. 
as Weidman had thrown a nasty leg kick. Uriah Hall checked it, and his leg fucking snapped around the other guy's leg. And it's really weird because if you remember the nasty leg kick break that Anderson Silva had, it was a checked kick that against Weidman. So Weidman's checked it, felt someone else break their leg on his leg, and then he's doing it again. I assumed with this, you know, it might be damn near Weidman's retirement time, but he's already talking about recovery and making a, a, a comeback. So apparently that's out, out the window. And, you know, this fight doesn't do a lot for Uriah Hall stock, but something that would really intrigue me would be a rematch with Mr. Kevin Gastelum, who he fought in the Ultimate Fighter finale um, and lost. But I think, you know, both fighters kind of going for that last chance for, for contendership. Why not, why not give him a shot? Uriah Hall is ranked number eight. Kevin Gastelum, nine. He moved up against Ke- Kelvin in that fight. So um, I think that would be badass. That'd be titties. Uh, maybe Darren Till, since he had a pull out of his last fight. Lots of options available. I wouldn't even mind stylistically watching him against the killer gorilla, Jared Cannonier, who's ranked number four. Lots of fights to be made in that middleweight division. And then we go to the title fights. Title fight number one, the bullet. I mean, I expected this. Yes, Andrade has some power. Yes, she can, you know, catch anybody. Um, but Valentina is just arms and legs better than that kind of, that level of competition. Just it is what it is. And I think, if anything, Shevchenko in this fight showed that she's leveled up, which is fucking scary. And she's so confident right now. She said in her post-fight interview, if you're looking for my weakness, there are none. Stop it. Um, yeah, she's a fucking animal technician. She basically told Andrade, I've heard this, the words of your strength. I've heard that you're good at this. Okay, well, I'm going to dominate you at everything that you're good at. She took her down. Every time Andrade tried to use her power, throw her hips, she was pulling her hip to hips in close, getting the takedowns. She was beating her at everything she thought she was good at. And she said, I've heard the things about Andrade's power, but you forget I have power too. And she obviously showed that. And she got the second round knockout over Andrade. Um, I think it's funny that just those comments have made her feel a certain way because no one's sliding Valentino whatsoever. Uh, but she's just such a high-level competitor uh, that that's just the way she feels and it motivates her, which is great if you're a champion. You got to continually stay motivated. You never know. Um, the only thing that makes sense to me now is you got to book her against Nunez. You got Amanda. We got Valentina just rolling through their weight classes, and the only decent fight was Valentina Nunez number two, which was a little bit controversial. And I think Valentina has the speed and striking advantage, but Amanda's just so much bigger and brute, Bruce, brute force stronger uh, that it makes for a tough matchup. Uh, but, I mean, what the hell are we going to do? What I mean, who are these ladies going to fight? We going to put Nunez up against Jermaine Duranami again, Holly Holm again? Like, you know, no thanks. We going to put Valentina up against uh, Chukanagan again, Jennifer Maya again? Like, come on. I don't know. Dana White says he's not interested, but what the fuck? I, I don't know. These girls are just going to keep cleaning house for a while until they continue to age or there's an up-and-coming prospect. Uh, but I think that's the fight that you got to do. And it's a bummer that Dana feels that this isn't going to happen. Uh, but I do expect that fight to happen again in the future. And when it happens, oh, boy, get your popcorn ready because it's going to be fun.
Then we got title fight number two, also women's fight. Rose Namehi Yunus. Holy shit. Thug Rose. First round knockout over Waylay. I fucking told you guys, right? She just has that fucking it factor. And she surprised me in this fight. I thought it was going to go five. I didn't expect a fucking blast head kick to knock out Waylay. And like level the shit out of her. She's pretty much knocked out. She probably took like two or three punches on the ground and completely lights out. She said she wasn't lights out, but she clearly was. You could watch the replay. Rose, for some reason, though, haters going to hate. She was a massive underdog. I just didn't understand that. I was like, am I fucking crazy? Do I not know what I'm talking about? Um, but clearly, Waylay is a little overrated. No offense, Waylay. Um, but hey, you know, she, she lost her belt to a slam. And then Zayn took advantage. She got the title over Andrade, which, you know, clearly I think Waylay and, and Joanna and Rose are better than Andrade. And then barely, barely snuck by Joanna. I personally thought, like, you could give that fight to Joanna. It was so fucking close. I, I think the whole hematoma on her forehead gave it more to Waylay. Um, but from there, everyone was just like, oh, Zhang's going to, you know, reign supreme. She's got one loss. She's only fought four or five times in the UFC. She hasn't fought... A lot of high-level competition outside of Joanna. So for me, I was just like, hmm, you know, what am I missing? I watched the Embedded, and I'm not going to lie, like on the countdown in Embedded, Zhang Lei looked fucking strong. She looked quick. And I was like, ooh, like, you know, I, I am a little nervous. Am I going to change my betting? Fuck no. I'm going down with Rose. Bet my friends a shot and some extra cash the night of as well. But she has it. I know she has it. And the biggest problem with Rose, if you guys follow her closely, is her mental game. Which a lot, you know, my friends at the time, they're drinking. I was sober. They're drinking like, oh, she's fucking pussy. Like, oh, that's pathetic. But like at high, high level athletics and competition, if you don't mentally think you are bigger, faster, stronger, going to beat the shit out of somebody when you're going head to head. If I'm a middle linebacker and I see a running back coming at me, if I think any kind of doubt or oh shit, I'm getting trucked. If I'm fighting anybody and I don't know or wrestling, like you're getting fucked. I've witnessed this firsthand. I didn't start high school wrestling until I was in high school. Well, high school wrestling didn't start wrestling until I was in high school. And a lot of the high level people that I went up against were fighting from a very or wrestling at a very young age. And I always just had doubt in my head. I was like, oh, fuck, oh, this guy's probably going to kick my ass. I get my ass whooped. You know, it took me later to mature and understand confidence and gain that confidence. But in fighting, that's so crucial. And Rose had said she'd struggled with the pressure of being a champion. You know, obviously she has the goal to get there, but just struggles through a lot of that mental warfare. And that's a real deal. This happens to a lot of fighters, a lot of athletes. There's sports psychologists for a reason. Sports psychology is a, a, a big subject. Um but how cool is it that her husband and coach, Pat Berry, helped her mentally get through those battles? You could see at the beginning of the fight, she was sitting there, I'm the best, I'm the best. And they talked about it in um, the UFC Embedded. And then how cool she fucking smokes. Waylay gets interviewed, Octagon. I, that was also nice about this non-COVID bullshit is they get to interview them in the Octagon. They don't have to go out to the side. Interviewed her in the Octagon and says, well, this is, you know, you were saying I'm the best, I'm the best. She's like, oh, I had the best, like, 
such a pure moment of emotion. You got to be a fan of somebody like that. Like it's Thug Rose. Like she's the underdog all the time. She doesn't get the credit. She's not up in your face. She's not talking shit. She's not the one that sells, but she gets the fucking job done. And I highly respect her. I think it's Nunez. I think it's Valentina. I think it's Thug fucking Rose Namayunis. I think it is a little bit higher level of Nunez Valentina. Then you got the Roses, the Ioannas, the, the Zhang Weilei. Um, but I thought that was fucking awesome. And how cool Trevor Whitman. I mean, I don't even know what to say about the guy. You know, he, he has two fighters, back-to-back title fights. Like, he has been known. He's trying to help bring better uh gloves into the UFC. We all know about the eye poking and the shitty fucking gloves they have. He's helped developing this sport. And you could see, and from listening to him on Joe Rogan and his interviews and his, uh, his vlogging that he really does care about his fighters. He has a really close circle camp and he really fucking does different shit to help these fighters perform. He works with Justin Gaethje. He works with a lot of high level comp- uh, competitors right now. And I was interested to see how you know an extended period of time with Usman would do, and we'll get into that fight in a second. But also, you could see the impact that he's had on on Rose, and I think it, it, that's a match made in heaven. And I'm I'm super pumped for Trevor Whitman, and his night only got better in the Usman fight. But, anyways, where does what does the UFC do from here though on this division? They could instantly book a Zhang Wei Lei rematch. They really could. Um, but Rose has had a rematch, Joanna. Right, she's had her own rematch Andrade a couple times. Like, is that really what we want to do? And if we don't give it to Zhang Weilei, who do we give it to? Do we, do we give it to Joanna again? She's already beat her twice. Well, how about the winner of Carla Esparza and Yang Xinyang? I have no idea how to say that name, obviously. Who are fighting and Carla Esparza beating Rose Nama Yunus and Ultimate Fighter, where I became a fan in the championship, where Carla has been fighting a lot longer, more regular fighting style wrestler, was able to wrestle out and outscore her, but Rose didn't have the striking capability in that it off factor that she does now. That could be interesting. I don't know, but either way, I'm just happy Rose is back on top with the title. Um, I hope they don't give uh, Zhang Weilei an instant rematch. But who knows? That might happen. It sucks to be Rose just having to fight the same people over and over. And then Trevor Whitman, number two. We had one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in all of UFC history, Kamaro Usman with a second-round knockout over Jorge Street Jesus Masvidal. And before I even talk about the fight, now people all of a sudden are giving Usman, oh, he should be the pound-for-pound number one. Like, let's give him his just due. Where has this been this whole time? I mean, people are just crazy. He's clearly deserving of the number two pound for pound outside of John Jones and people now all of a sudden, you know, Jones hasn't fought in a while. It's Usman's like, no, John Jones is always going to be in that top spot until he proves differently. Um, You know, he wins a few more. He could be ahead of GSP in the GOAT conversation for me. GSP has had nine title defenses, though, so he's got a little ways to go. Uh but fuck, you, you, who knows? I mean, he's been cleaning house in the division, and he's not going to go up and fight Izzy. So as long as Izzy's the, the champion, I don't see him uh, running for champ champ because he definitely can't go to the weight class lower. Um, so, yeah, I'm just not too sure. You know, 
After the Rose fight, though, I was telling my friends about Trevor Whitman, and I talked about Usman working longer with Trevor, and he seemed determined after that Burns fight and all the shit-talking Jorge and, and you know commentators were making that he was going to try to level up a little bit. What could he do to level up? I wasn't too sure, but I said to my friends, I was like, wow, you know, Rose at the second round knockout, how crazy it'd be if Usman leveled up and got an early knockout as well. And he fucking delivered. He literally hit him with like a loaded, it reminded me of like, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, a Kamehameha. Like he loaded this bitch up and just straight landed on Masvidal. He had poured the water on his head. He has his hair. So the sweat, the fucking water, the mouth guard, it was just like that old fight night scene where you like, Load that bitch up and you hit him and his mouth guard comes out and all the sweat. Like, you guys, I'm sure I've seen the images all over social media. But what a fucking knockout by Mr. Kamaru. Um, from here, though, the real test is that Kobe Covington rematch. I think that's the toughest competition. Dana White's already said that's what's going to be next, which is kind of annoying, but it is what it is. Um, if he could beat Kobe Covington again, then this is where things get interesting. Because Kobe's only fought Woodley since Usman. So, you know, in my opinion, Kobe's been prepared for preparing for Usman for a long time. And would it have been different with how close that fight was if he didn't break his jaw, right? Because he broke his jaw in the fourth. He was getting a little gassed. But to give Kobe props, I mean, he's a tough son of a bitch, and he has pretty goddamn good cardio. So I think this will be the toughest test. But nobody outside of Kobe Covington makes sense here. It kind of wants me, I, I wouldn't mind Robert Whitaker beating Izzy and then Usman fighting Robert Whitaker being champ champ opportunity. I don't know if he would do that with Izzy. I, you know, if Whitaker wins, I'd assume they'd want a trilogy fight. Lots of things need to happen, but I just want to see Usman fight the best competition because this man doesn't get respect on his name like he asked for. And, and he's very deserving. I mean, look at the guy. He's a fucking physical specimen. The fact that he even makes that weight class blows my mind. And his conditioning and cardio over five rounds is unheard of for a guy that size. I can't wait, though. What a fucking card that was. We had Usman. We had Rose. We had Valentina. We had some good prelims. As a fight fan, you cannot complain. One of the better fight cards, especially with the fans back, made it even bigger. Um, yeah, Jacksonville must have had a turn-up night after that. And the next one is in a sold-out T-Mobile arena in Las Vegas. Just think of that shit. But this Saturday, let's talk fights this Saturday. Got another UFC fight night in Vegas in the Apex Small Octagon, which made me think of the original Octagon this weekend, too. It looked, you know, seems so much bigger. I forgot most of these fights have been in the little bitch Octagon, which makes no sense why they're still doing this, by the way. Like, get a real fucking Octagon. Let's start with some prelims. We got... Murab Dev Murab Devshili. I'm gonna murder it. Devshili, the number 12th ranked fighter, 30 year old, 30 years old with a 12 and 4 record, versus Cody Stamen, the number 13th ranked fighter, 31 years old with a 19 and 3 record. Man, both these fighters pretty similar build, style, power, cardio. They're both wrestlers with rest. Uh, both fighters with wrestling backgrounds. Murab himself is on a five-fight win streak, which three of them came in 2020. He's also a black belt in judo. And then Stamen is a D2 wrestler out of Grand Valley State. He's also a blue belt in BJJ. And uh, Cody's coming off a loss against Jimmy Rivera, who's ranked 
see what is he ranked right now 11th in the division right ahead of Marab um, the winner of this fight is going to be right in the fucking mix of that deep bantamweight division and contender race uh, and will probably be on their way towards a title shot. I think Murab is just a little bit better in all the areas of Stamen. Uh, he's got a little bit better cardio. I think he's got a little bit better stand-up and striking and just a little bit of better wrestling, a little bit different wrestling. No, Not to talk shit on Stamen, D2 wrestler, but yeah, Murab's been fought, fought, uh, wrestling some beasts. Um, I expect this to go to a decision in a three round fight, but I expect this to be fucking war and it's going to be who wants this fight the most. Very similar stylistic matchup. You know, they're very, they're, they're right next to each other in the rankings, 13, 12. I can't wait. And then we got Kyler Phillips, Raphael as sun cell. Can't wait to see who Cruz fights next. Oh man. There's just so many good fights up on the horizon. And this is going to be a banger to start that night. We also got Sean Strickland, the number 15th ranked fighter, uh, 30 years old with a 22 and three record versus Christoph Jocko, the 31 year old fighter with a 22 and four record. Both fighters are on a current three fight win streak and both are brown belts and BJJ. Jocko is fighting out of American top, top team in that stout camp. But when it comes to this, I'm going to take Mr. Sean Strickland. I like his run more with his current wins over Brendan Allen, who we just talked about in the last card that will help win my parlay. I really like Brendan Allen. Uh, he also has a victory over Court McGee, ex-UFC fi uh, Ultimate Fighter man. Uh, but this should be a pretty even matchup as well. This is going to be a great start to the card with these two fights back-to-back. -back. Uh, but Sean's really kind of on a comeback run. And is now ranked, and I think he's ready to keep that momentum up to move up in the weight class against, you know, instead of being a fighter outside the top 15 looking in. You know, that's never fun. You know, he's been around a little bit. He's, he's 30 years old now. I think he understands how important these next few fights are. And I think that's going to help him with the edge in this fight. Um, and then from there, yeah. I mean, we've talked about middleweight already. Brad Tavares, 14. Kevin Holland, 13. Chris Weidman's in there, Uriah Hall, Kelvin, Edmund Shabazian. So lots of potential within there. And uh, I think Sean Strickland's going to keep his win streak alive. Then we have Jan Kutabella, 27 years old, 15 and 6 record, versus Dustin Jacoby, 33 years old, 13 and 5 record. Uh, Kulabella with a judo, kickboxing, and wrestling background. And Jacoby, an orthodox fighter with a taekwondo style. So, yeah, I expect this to be pretty bonkers on their feet. Um, Jacoby has gone 0-1 since being cut in the UFC. Um, so he went 0-1 in his UFC debut. Lost his first UFC fight, in other words. Uh, got cut by the UFC. Went and won the World Series of Fighting. Moved up to Bellator. And then got on the Contender Series. Was able to get uh, back into the UFC. Well, uh, Jacoby is now on a four-fight win streak, including outside UFC. So, yeah, I mean, this guy has been a journeyman. Uh, Kudabella has lost two in a row versus Magomed Ankalev, back-to-back uh, -back fights against him. So I'm sure he's excited to have a different opponent after that. Uh, but I think this is Jacoby's last chance. You know, he couldn't win over the UFC, get that contract. He had to go outside, come back in. He's got to take advantage. Um, and he has to continue to win at the UFC level. Jan has had better competition of late, though, and I think that he's just a, a higher-skilled prospect moving his way through the ranks. Uh, 27 years old, not even in his prime. I'm going to take Kudalaba. 
I, I think that's going to be uh, another interesting fight of pretty similar s- skilled fighters. That's three fights in a row, fucking coin flips. This will be a hard card to parlay. And then we got my guy, Cub Swanson, 37 years old, 27 and 11 record versus Giga Chikadze, 32 years old with a 12 and 2 record. Swanson, as we know, black belt and BJJ. He's coming off some pretty brutal and terrible knee injuries. Uh, His last fight was his first fight since October of 2019. He did get the victory. And, um, you know, that puts Swanson on a two-fight win streak. He obviously trains out of Jackson Wink MMA. And then Giga himself is on a seven-fight win streak and a contender series alum as well, where he actually lost um, and won in the Gladiator series. So he lost the contender series, didn't make it in the UFC, won in the Gladiator series, and then got signed by the UFC. So another guy that's had to make a little bit of a journey to get to the UFC and that's, again, if you guys aren't sure why I talk about the prime being like 29 to 33 in the UFC, it takes a lot of guys to get through the professional circuit to even get to the UFC. And a lot of them aren't in the UFC to like 25, 26, 27, or, you know, maybe even a little later. And that's their fighting prime where, um, you know, in NFL and NBA, these kids are drafted so young, um, they're performing at the high level. And then by the time they're 30, they can be washed or whatever. Uh, but in the fight game, it's a little different. So, you know, Cub Swanson, 37. Most sports, you'd be like, ooh, that, he's pretty old. But we've been talking about it the past few weeks. You, you just never know with fighting. We've seen guys going to their 40s at a very high level, as we see Glover Teixeira fighting at 42 years old for the title. So, um, but Giga has a four-inch reach advantage on Mr. Cub, and he has a karate and kickboxing background. You know, Swanson is on a run post-surgery recovery. Excited to see what he can do here. He is a true vet with amazing experience, trains with a lot of tough motherfuckers, and I just don't think Giga has fought the level of competition that Cub can still provide, and he showed in his last fight. So I'm going to take Cub on this fight, but a very another very tough fight to pick, and I think it's going to be a, a fun one to watch. And then we have the main event. All very close fights here. Uh, we got Dominic Reyes, the number three fighter, 31 years old, 12-2 and two record. Versus Yuri Prashaka, the number fifth ranked fighter, 28 years old with a 27 and three record. Yuri himself is on an 11 fight win streak. Only one of those fights against a light heavyweight, um, ranked light heavyweight, which was Vulcan Oezmir. Oezmir, uh, he finished in a second round knockout, and Reyes also beat via unanimous decision. So common opponent there. Reyes is on back-to-back losses versus John Jones and Jan Blachowicz. You know, fuck, that's the GOAT and, and a title holder, so you can't hold that too much against him. Uh, he's a blue belt in BJJ. And then Yuri with a Muay Thai and kickboxing background. The state of where Reyes lives today, you can't lose three in a row if you want to have a title shot. He's right in his prime. He's 31 years old. You lose this fight here, you're going to you're continually move back the rankings. It's going to take you two, maybe three fights to get back, which, you know, that could be three years for some fighters, depending on how much damage you take. And I expect there to be some damage in this fight to be had for both fighters. But I think he's just a little bit more talented. Um, I don't know a lot about Yuri, to be honest. Um, I, I think that he's going to have enough advantage on the on his feet to get the job done. And we've seen what he's capable when he pushed John Jones to his limits. 
You know, he did fight Jan pretty tough. Jan just hit him with that fucking power, that Poland power, that Polish power. Uh, but I'm going to take Dom on this one. Another fight, 50-50 toss-up. This is going to be a card that if you just want to see fucking shit happen, you want to see some bangers, some blood fest, I think this is going to be the card for you. And next Saturday after was supposed to be the TJ Dillashaw return, but that's going to have to wait. But lots, lots of good fights coming up. I can't wait to see Sean O'Malley's next fight. Supposedly, he got an offer for the, the, the Connor card in that T-Mobile sold-out crowd. So hopefully that happens, comes to fruition, as we have one of his par training partners, Kyler Matrix, just signing up with his new fight. So lots of bangers to be happening in the UFC world. Let's switch some gears. Let's move to the hardwood again. And let's talk NBA because, holy shit, it's spring. It's almost playoff basketball time. And I can't wait to see what happens this year. The doors are open, ladies and gentlemen. Who is going to steal the show? Well, a couple little headliners in the NBA world. The Clippers signed DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie Cousins, for the rest of the season. That's going to be awesome. I'm sure he'll make an impact in the playoffs. We got Trey Young escaping a pretty serious injury. He was diagnosed with a grade 2 high ankle sprain. So we should see him back in, in a, a couple weeks before the playoffs at least. AD being back with the Lake Show. If you're a Lakers fan, that's got to be a pleasant sight. Uh, you know, fingers crossed for a, a LeBron return here pretty soon. And then how about Steph Curry? God damn, I've been talking a lot about Steph Curry lately. Broke the record for most threes in a month with 85 threes. That's straight buckets. Putting the team on his back. All that work, though. And where are they at? The Warriors are currently in 10th place. So, still got to put the team on his back. But great fucking month. Uh, John Wall done for the season. That's bummer. I love seeing John Wall play and being back. Um, you know, hamstring issue. He'll be out, but the, the Rockets are tanking anyways. Larry Nance also most likely out for the year, breaking his thumb. Uh, he plays for the Cavs, who are on the outside looking in. Let me double check. The East, you never know. Yeah, they're, they're well outside the play-in game at this point. And then um, looking at the standings, the best remaining battles, in my opinion, will probably be Toronto, Washington, and Chicago battling for that 10th spot to get into the, the playoff the playoff play-in. Then we got the battles four through seven in the East. I mean, it's super close. We got two games separating the Knicks and, the, and Miami. Imagine Miami getting up to four home court advantage against the Hawks or Knicks. That's huge. Where the three teams playing the Celtics. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be in the seventh spot, right? So these teams are every game matters. It's playoffs right now. If you're under a, a five seed in any conference, it's playoffs today, right? These teams are going to be playing their balls off. Then we got the battle in the West. We got one, uh, one to three, the Jazz with the slim one game lead against the Suns, and then the Clippers two back. So very close battle here. And then we also have four through seven in the West, the Nuggets, or not? Did I say four through seven? Well, four through five. Then you got six and seven. The Mavs and Blazers are one game away. Mavs and six, Blazers seven. The Nuggets and Lakers four game separation. So we got some good little battles, playoff positioning, home court advantage up for stake. Uh, but that bottom of the East, man, who's going to get it? 
right? The Wizards, man, they could sneak around. Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook could fuck around and get triple doubles and put up 40 a night. So I know I wouldn't want them first round. I know I wouldn't want the Warriors and fucking Steph Curry first round. Yep, teams better capture their their seeds up real quick. I know as a Jazz fan, I'm biting my fucking nails because we're blowing it. Before we talk about last week's games, let's talk a little bit about some stat leaders. Give some shout-outs, man. What a season it's been. It's a condensed schedule, right? A little bit different than normal. Some people are, you know, saying that that's going to affect players' health. But these are the guys that are just really standing out. We got the point-per-game leaders. We got Steph Curry with 31.3. Bradley Bill, 31.1. Giannis, the Greek freak, Antetokounmpo. Let me, let me try it. Sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. Antetokounmpo. There we go. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 28.5 points per game. Luka Doncic, 28.5 as well. And then Damian Lilla, Dame Dalla, 28.4. Hoopers, right? All these guys have been hooping. None of these guys are probably going to be in the MVP conversation, though. I think that's the, the Jokic show. Assist leaders. We got Russell Westbrook, 10.9 a game. The guy's just putting up triple doubles. He said, I do things different. I'm different. It's like, dude, look at your stat lines. You're scoring 29 shot, 29 points on like 32 shots. Like, that's not good. That's why you're in the fucking 10 seed. I'm just so sick of his shit sometimes. But 10 assists a game. Trey Young, 9.6. Draymond Green, holy shit. If you were telling me Draymond Green's averaging 8.8 assists a game, I would have said fucking, yeah, bet me. He did it, 8.8. Luka Doncic, 8.8 as well. And Chris Paul, obviously, always top five, 8.7. Draymond Green, more assists per game than Mr. CP3. What a crazy world we live in. Uh, We have some defensive leaders. Clint Capella averaging 14.7 rebounds. Guys getting boards. Rudy Gobert, 13.6. Jonas Jonas Valenciunas with 12.5. One of the most underrated guys in the league. He just keeps fucking performing. And boy, oh boy, has he been nice for my fantasy team. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis with 11.6. And then Enos Canterra, man. 11.4 ex-Jazz play right there. Uh, blocks, Miles Turner always doing what he does. 3.4 a game. It's fucking nuts. Rudy Gobert, 2.8. Nerlens Noel, 2.2. Clint Capella, 2.2. And Chris Boucher, 1.9. The Stifle Tower. Nerlens Noel is always up there, too. And then three-pointers point, uh, three pointers made per game. Steph Curry leading the league, 5.2. Buddy Hild and Damian Lillard, 4.0. CJ McCollum, 3.7. Duncan Robinson, 3.5. And then we got Stills leaders. Jimmy Butler, 2.1, over two a game. Drew Holiday, 1.8. TJ McConnell having a great season for the Pacers, 1.8. Fred Van Fleet, 1.7. And Kawhi, 1.7. A little bit different statistical leaders than we're used to seeing. Lots of injuries this year. But those guys are getting the job done. So last week, Tuesday night, after I shot the podcast, the Knicks beat the Hornets, and five Knicks players having double-digit performances, R.J. Barrett being one of them, going 6-for-11 from three with 24 points. So what a fucking day, Mr. R.J. Barrett. Good to see him clicking, getting some confidence, getting some momentum. It'll be interesting to see guys like that in playoff time. That's what has me tuning into the, you know, the fucking Knicks. Um, the Nets beat the Pelicans without KD, without Harden. Kyrie putting up 32 points, eight assists, 
Um, 19 shots for 32 points. That's the type of shit we're looking for, right? That's the efficiency I love. I'm a stat head. Oh, you got 42 points? Oh, you shot the ball 39 times? Like, it's not good enough, right? And that's always my biggest thing with Donovan Mitchell right now as a Jazz fan is those efficiencies. 19 shots, 32 points. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Uh, Zion led the Pelicans as he normally does with 33 points of himself in that defeat. And then the Clippers on Tuesday escaping the Blazers with the trying to with a late comeback bid. Usually the, the Blazers are the one making the comeback. Well, they beat the Blazers by one point. And Paul George, man, if he could keep this up, he could really be playoff PG. Uh, 33 points, 11 rebounds. Kawhi Leonard's still out. He's putting the team on his back and has the Clippers right in striking distance on that one seed. Last Wednesday, the Suns beat the Sixers to continue to pressure my fucking Utah Jazz for home court advantage. CP3 with 28 points. And Joel, 38-17, he's an MVP runner too. I think it's between him and Jokic. Um, in that defeat, I was really hoping the Suns would drop that one, man. Uh, on Wednesday, the Wizards beat the Warriors. Again, the Wizards beating who they want, when they want, if they show up. Bradley Bill, 29 points, 10 assists. And Curry just got locked up. 18 points on 25 shots, man. What a tough night in the office. Toronto beating the Nets with only Kyrie this time, who had 28 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds. And Siakam with a nice stat line of himself, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. And then the Knicks beat the Hawks in overtime. What a banger this was. Uh, it was a 4-5 Eastern four or five seed in the Eastern conference battle. Julius Randall, 40 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Gosh, dang. And then we had Capella, Trey and Bogdanovich all over 20 points for the Hawks in that game. The heat took down the Spurs, bam leading with 23 points, eight rebounds. And then the Clippers beat the Grizzlies. Luke Kennard joining in on the fun with Kawhi out dropping 28 points himself going six from seven from deep. They really could use Luke Kennard, a midseason acquisition in the playoffs because he can shoot. I don't know if he's lost confidence. He's not finding a role within that team, but that's a great sign if you're a Clippers fan and if you're anybody else like a Jazz fan, that's kind of scary. Uh, the Blazers dropping another heartbreaker back-to-back -back nights to the Nuggets. All five Nuggets starters in double digits. Lillard with 22 points on 23 shots. It's another tough night at the office. Those efficiencies, not normal for Stephen Lillard, though. Scooting over to Thursday, the Suns just couldn't handle the back-to-back -back Eastern Conference games and dropped a clunker to the Celtics. Kemba leading the Celtics with 32 points, um, playing without Mr. Tatum. And then Giannis and the Bucks beating the 76ers as they lose another game on back-to-backs without Ben Simmons, of course. But Giannis having 27 points, 16 rebounds. And then the Mavs beating the Lakers in AD's return. Obviously, minutes capacity, minutes limit. Uh, but Luka dropping 30 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, doing Luka-like things. And then we head towards the weekend on Friday. The Heat dropped another one against the Hawks. Six players for the Hawks with double digits in this game. Bogdanovich rolling, man. This is the guy that they thought they were signing. 21 points in that game. And then the Nets beating the Celtics without KD as five players have double digits. Tatum had 38 points, 10 rebounds in this defeat. And then the Warriors beating the Nuggets. Curry continuing to roll after that tough night 
uh, against the Wizards. 32 points, 8 assists. And then the Grizz, man, they're, they're, they're looking tough. The Grizz defeating the Blazers as they continually to, continue to slide. John Morant with a nice 33 points, 13 assists. What a good win for the Grizz. Currently, they're lingering. They're a team that maybe nobody wants to fuck with right now. Tuning in on Saturday, the T-Wolves, man, beating my fucking jazz without Donovan Mitchell. Eh, you know, is at home. They've been terrific at home. They have Rudy. They got Conley. They got Bogdanovich. Like, okay, you know, maybe I'll let that one slide. Carl Anthony Towns with 24 points. Anthony Edwards, 23. And D'Angelo Russell with 23 as well. You know, they're just letting the Suns. That door's wide open for the Suns or Clippers to take it. They have one of the easiest schedules remaining of the season. They're dropping games like the fucking Timberwolves. Uh, the Knicks keep winning as they beat the Raptors. Julius Randle again, my man. 31 points, 10 rebounds. Without Ben and Joel, the 76ers lose again. Tough, tough. If they want that one seed, I think they know Brooklyn is probably going to get it. But um, Giannis led the Bucks with 24 points, 14 rebounds. And then Miami's struggling, man. They finally get back on track with the win over the Bulls. Four of their five starters over 20 points. So great day for the starters. And then the Spurs just squeaking by as they always do. Uh, squeaking by the Pelicans this time as DeMar DeRozan has 32 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. We've been talking about his lines the past couple weeks. I love to see it. Interested to see what happens with him in free agency. And then the Mavs beat the Lakers again. A little bit more of some minutes by AD. But not enough. Dwight Powell taking over this time with 25 points, 9 rebounds. And the Mavs won that one without Porzingis. And then a quick turnaround on Sunday. The Celtics with a clunker against the Hornets. Devontae Graham leading the Hornets, 24 points, 9 assists. I needed that. That helped me get into the, the championship in my fantasy league as I've added Devontae Graham when he got hurt. Some guy dropped him, shouldn't have done it. Uh, but yeah, he led Charlotte with a nice line there. And then the Nets beating the Suns as Kyrie has 34 points, 12 assists, 6 rebounds. KD with 33 and 6 himself. I absolutely needed that as a Jazz fan. And then the Grizzlies beat up the Blazers again. This time, Ja leading the team with 28 points, 8 assists. And then the Hawks beat the Bucks as Bogdanovich leads the team with 32 points. No Trey Young off the ankle roll. The Hawks, man, just they're doing work, right? They're, they're trying to stay in there, trying to get a home court game. And then Monday, right before the pod, the Jazz again drop into the T-Wolves. Mike Conley hits a huge three with like 1.5 seconds left. Minnesota calls a times out, does an inbound pan, does a fake. Rudy goes out, and all of a sudden, I can't remember who is wide open for a layup. Fuck, man. I think it was Russell. Swept by the T-Wolves? As a Jazz fan, they're in a massive three-point drought, that's for sure. I mean, you could see how important... Donovan Mitchell is to this team to run that offense. Bogdanovich and Clarkson are way off right now. And when I mean way off, you look at their stats, they're fucking, they're just throwing bricks, right? And Clarkson, the fun part of him as a Jazz fan is he always has the green light. But when you always have the green light and you're just bricking them, that doesn't let your offensive flow. So hopefully they learn some shit while Donovan's out. They can develop some off the ball, attack the fucking hole. Give Rudy the ball down low. You usually just fucking dunking and ooping on people. Ugh. But yeah, not a very good sight for a Jazz fan right now. It's looking a little grim. Championship aspirations. We can't beat the fucking Timberwolves. Come on now. The Suns 
win again. Closer to the Jazz. <laughs> they beat the Knicks. Booker doing his thing. 33 points. And then the Bulls get a little revenge on the Heat. They said, fuck you. We're trying to get in the play-in. Uh, Nikola Vucic, Vucevic with 24 points, 11 rebounds. Love seeing that. He's in my playoff fantasy team as well. And then the Pelicans beating the Clippers as Zion leads the Pelicans with 23 points. Um, it's a bad day for the Clippers, still playing without Kawhi. And then the Nuggets beating the Grizzlies. How about Michael Porter Jr., right? This is the guy that they envisioned. This is the guy that they said, okay, we'll, we'll move on from some people. This is going to be the guy that's going to take a step up. Well, he put up 31.7 rebounds. You love to see it if you're a Nuggets fan. They got to get some buckets somewhere with Jamal Murray being out for the rest of the year. And then we have this week's action, right? More action coming for you. Tuesday tonight, we got some big games. We got the Bucks versus the Hornets. The Hornets are trying to stay out of the play-in game, right? You look at the standings, they're lingering, they'll be up there, they won't. Nobody wants to be a part of that shit. The Hornets could keep winning. LaMelo potentially being back soon. I don't know what the prognosis is on Gordon Hayward, but hey, they got to get out of there. They got to be able to beat the Bucks. Um, can they beat the Bucks? I, I doubt it, but um, yeah, that's a big game. Blazers versus Pacers. Both teams trying to build momentum. The Blazers have been on a slide. The Pacers, I, I'm kind of, you know, are the Pacers trying to get a lottery? Like, what are they doing? I don't really know. Um, but that, that's a big game for both teams if they're trying to build some momentum for the playoffs. Nets versus Raptors. The Raptors are one spot out of the 10 spot. Kyle Lowry, where you been? They kept you. You know, they, we got to see something from Kyle Lowry. He's been throwing bricks up too. And then we got Mavs versus Warriors on TNT. You know, the Mavs look to stay up on the play-in game, and the Warriors look to be in the play-in game. So big game for both teams. I expect a lot of Luka, a lot of Steph, probably taking the Mavs in this one, but it's going to be a good battle and potentially a battle in the playoffs as well. Moving to tomorrow on Wednesday, hump day, the Hawks play the 76ers. We got a number two versus number five Eastern Conference battle. That is going to be fun. The Hawks have been playing extremely well. We got Hornets versus Celtics. That's a 6v8, right? The Hornets got back-to-back -back games. You got the Celtics. You got the Bucks. That's going to be interesting to see what, how, much, how much legs they have underneath them. And then the Bulls on the road versus the Knicks. The Chicago Bulls are really fighting to get back in that playoff game without Zach Levine. I don't know what his ETA is currently. And then the Spurs versus Heat. That's a 9v7. Uh, nine in the east, or yeah, nine in the west, seven in the east. Blazers versus Grizz. That's a, the Grizz beat them up twice last week. The Grizz are playing a lot more basketball because they had that big COVID outbreak earlier in the season. Um, Pelicans versus Nuggets. The Pelicans trying to make a run. They got to win a lot of games right now. They're a few games out before it's too late. And then we got the banger Wednesday night Clippers versus Suns on ESPN. That is a massive number two, number three battle, ladies and gents. Hopefully Kawhi is back uh, for that game, uh, but we'll be a, a doozy regardless. Huge for, for seeding. And then Thursday, we have Nets versus Pacers on NBA TV. That one probably be a little ugly. Raptors versus Nuggets. And then Friday, we got another massive Western uh, matchup. We got the Suns, number two, versus the Jazz, my Utah Jazz, number one, a little bit of a rematch. Donovan Mitchell not expected to play. Uh, this time it's in Phoenix. Phoenix beat the Jazz in, in Utah. 
the way the Jazz playing, I don't know if they could beat anybody. I, I would expect them to get their ass whooped this Friday without Donovan. But hey, maybe they could prove me wrong. Maybe they could start hitting some shots. To be honest, the Utah Jazz get their ass whooped that Friday. They fall out of the one seed. There, there'll be a, a first-round win probably and then be bounced. I'm just, I'm just accepting it. Um, Hawks versus 76ers. Spurs versus Celtics. The Blazers versus the Nets on NBA TV. I mean, I don't know what my... Actually, I do know what my plans are Friday night. I'm going to be in fucking... Uh, T-Mobile Stadium, watching my Angels. Mike Trout in the house this weekend. I love going to my Angels games. But if I wasn't watching that, you got to watch this game. I mean, we're talking Dame Lillard. We're talking Kyrie Irving. We're talking CJ McCollum. We're talking KD. Just the skills, the handles. If you're a basketball fan, that's like 2K on roids. That's a fucking game on NBA TV. You got Bucks versus Bulls. And then Saturday, Raptors versus Jazz. We'll see what the Jazz have on a little bit of a, a back-to-back against a team that's pretty needy right now. Uh, we got Bulls versus Hawks, and then Nuggets versus Clippers, another great Western battle, three versus four on ESPN. So Clippers got a couple tough games. Everyone's got tough games, and it's playoffs right now for a lot of teams. right? We're talking we're talking Nuggets versus Clippers. That's a, play, a playoff game for those teams. Raptors versus Jazz, maybe not for the Jazz, but the Raptors, every game's a playoff game right now. So that's why I talk about these games. This is my mentality, right? This is what I saw last week. This is what I'm seeing this week. I know a lot of it's stat-driven and, and, and based off, you know, what I'm thinking. But I talk about the headlines I talk about. It's a little quick w- weekly recap. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up watching SportsCenter. I loved going to sleep to SportsCenter. Now I can't even fucking hardly stand it, right? So I would love to have... Someone like Business and Buckets that I could tune in, get my little weekly updates, banter back, leave some comments in his YouTube, hit him up in his DMs. How cool would it be if you were like a Bill Simmons fan and you got to reach out to Bill Simmons and ask him to dive into your team or give you sports takes? That's what I'm here for. Like, give me some shit to talk about so I don't have to do the same script. Hopefully I can find some good people to come into studio. That'll be a lot of fun banter. You could see me get heated in some debates versus me just looking at this camera and talking to you guys this whole time. It's fine. But give me a little bit more energy. Give us a little bit more more flow. So give me some topics. Give me some things. I'm just looking for that fan feedback. If you're a fan, you really like sports, you know, this is a spot for you. Like, give me some shit. I'll 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 cover whatever you want. Um, and if you know your shit, I'd love to have you on, honestly. <laughs> Sunday, we got Nets versus Bucks on ABC, another banger on primetime TV. Blazers versus Celtics on NBA TV. Lots of buckets going to be in that one. You got Dane, CJ, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Heat versus Hornets, two desperate teams. 76ers versus Spurs. The Spurs, very desperate. They might find a way. Uh, Raptors versus Lakers on NBA TV. AD's back. That's going to be a doozy. And then Monday before the next podcast, episode 22, uh, we got Spurs versus Jazz, Warriors versus Pelicans. That's on ESPN. You got Zion, Brandon Ingram, Steph Curry. Of course, that's going to be on ESPN. Uh, Blazers versus Hawks. That's a really interesting game. 76ers, Bulls. Knicks versus Grizz. Damn. Just now reading that, the Knicks and the Grizz are pretty similar, right? Being one in the West, one in the East. They're pretty similar. That's a fun matchup. I'd be interested to see what their head-to-head matchup is. But those teams are very similar in the way they play. And then Lakers, Nuggets on ESPN. It's almost that time, right? I can't wait to do playoff predictions. 
get get into some bets. I got a lot of fun shit coming because uh, I don't really bet on regular season. Just with COVID, people being out, condensed season injuries, it's hard. You don't know who's going to suit up until game time. But I love me some playoffs. Love me some playoffs. Next up, MLB, baby. You just talking the Angels. The, the bats are hot right now. Lots of things happening on the diamond in MLB. We're starting to understand a little bit who's who, what's going on. Is it a slump? Are they just shitty? Is this, you know, a short-term success? Or are they going to be long-term success? So let's talk a couple of the headlines in baseball. So the Astros and the Angels getting their players back. Astros having some guys out uh, due to COVID or whatever the hell happened. I don't know if someone tested positive or contact tracing. They didn't really officially report what happened. Uh, but getting them back before the Angels series. The Angels getting their ass whooped. We'll talk about that in a second. And then getting Rendon and Trout back uh, this week to, to play the Rangers. And how about Jacob motherfucking DeGrom? Like, we are watching history, and we're watching an ace just fucking do work thus far this season. He has striked out 50 of the 101 batters he's faced. 50 of the 101 batters. Like, holy fucking shit. If Otani wasn't striking guys out left and right, I don't think the whole Angels rotation would have 50Ks, to be honest. Like, holy ball sack. Um, yeah, I haven't watched a lot of the Mets game, but this guy throws gas. It's like, what we're seeing DeGrom do, I can envision Otani's peak being. Um, but this is crazy shit. I mean, this was once in a uh, generation, and I talked to you guys about him putting up a historical season. Like, he is on pace for some fucking history here. Um you just got to respect it. So you see DeGrom playing, tune in, figure it out, ESPN Plus, wherever it's at, you got to find it. And then how about the Oakland Athletics? Uh, I talked about them just always finding a way, no matter what their talent is. Chapman's in a big fucking slump. Simeon's out. And the motherfuckers win 13 in a row. Then they lose to the O's to snap that streak. But what a god-awful start to the season. They just find a way. I wish my angels could just fucking find a way. We don't have half the talent they or we have they have don't have half the talent we do so they just find a way man uh, Bumgarner how about that Madison motherfucking Bumgarner seven inning shutout uh, no hitter you know they're saying well I don't know if that's a true no hitter there might be an asterisk there if you're counting that a game well he fucking pitched no hitter I'll give him his due Bumgarner's done so much in his career. I added him in fantasy with my last pick. He fucking tanked. I dropped him. He pitches a no-hitter. That's my life. But I fucking love me some Mad Bum when he's just pounding beers after winning the uh, championship World Series. Like, gotta love the guy. Bravo, Mr. Bum Garner. What a fucking performance. That's a no-hitter, baby. And then Trout, having one of the best months of his career. He is on a tear. He's batting over 400, over 1,000 OPS like he always does. This man is on another level. You got Otani in front of you, Rendon behind you. That lineup has got some pop. Ronald Acuna being back. The The baseball world is not the same without Mr. Acuna Jr., so I'm glad to see that his day-to-day -day injury was a quick turnaround because sometimes in baseball it's like, oh, it was just this, and then like three months later you're like, what the fuck? Why is he still not back? Some series last weekend. So the Angels drop... <laughs> Three of four to the fucking Astros without Trout and Rendon. Pretty tough weekend for me, especially against the Astros. Fucking, you know, they're good. They, they've been good for a while, and I'm just getting sick of it. It's this same beat to the same drum. 
Uh, the Brewers beat the Cubs 2-1. to one. They're looking great to start the year, even though Christian Yelich ain't doing shit. Uh, the Yankees trying to get back on track. We had talked about last week how big of a series this was for them against the Indians. Well, they take 3-4 of four against the Indians. Not scoring a lot of runs, but they're getting the dubs. And then the Blue Jays beat the Rays 2-1. to one. Vladimir Guerrero getting hot. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., excuse me. Getting hot. Love to see it. I wanted him in fantasy this year, but people are just drafting him way too fucking high. And then the Mets beating the Nats 2-1. to one. Uh, That's just a great divisional battle. Like I said, that division's going to be bonkers all year. And then we have the biggest series, back-to-back weeks. We got the Padres getting revenge on the Dodgers. I fucking love it. Taking three out of four. And then the Sunday night baseball game looking bad. They're down like five, six runs. They make a fucking crazy late rally, get into extra innings, and still the show. Still the show. What a fucking series that was. I stayed up late Sunday night watching it. I can't wait for future Dodgers Padres. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the Yankees Red Sox back in the day when they were both stacked. And then we had the Giants beating the Marlins 3 1 in their series. How about those fucking Giants? They're like the A's. They just fucking find a way. They always do. They got Johnny Cueto. They got old, you know, DeShafani. They got guys that not a lot of other teams want, and they're just fucking racking up the dubs. This weekend, though, we got some series. We got Angels versus Mariners. I'll be there. Tune in on TV. You might catch me. I don't know. Uh, Catch me outside. Uh, But this is going to be a big battle for them. Um, You know, the Mariners always start the season hot. This is a team. It's like, well, how good are they, right? I watched them play the Giants earlier this season. I wasn't really impressed with both teams. You know, the, the Mariners are 13 and 10 and the Giants are 15 and 8. My Angels are 11 and 10. Like, yeah, I wish we could be up there. So this will be a good measuring stick. Are the Mariners actually really good? You know, are my Angels going to get their shit together? Mike Trout owns Seattle, so I'm hoping to see some some dingers. And then we got um, Marlins versus Nationals, another divisional battle. This is the NL East, that division that I keep talking about. Uh, the Marlins 10 and 12, and the Nationals are 8 and 11. But you got Scherzer, you got big names, you got Trey Turner, you got um, the, the Marlins youth all over, you got Sandy Alcantara. Uh, it's going to be some fun baseball. Mets versus Phillies, another NL East battle, even bigger this time. You got DeGrom, you got you got the Aces in New York, and the Phillies, man, they are 11 and 11 while the ne- ne- uh, the Mets the Mets are 9 and 8 ahead of the division just because they played less games. And then we got them hosting the Sunday night game. I'm sure that'll be a banger. Mets Phillies, can't wait. We got Blue Jays versus Braves, a ALNL battle. Kind of like the Grizz and uh what was I saying, the Grizz and the Knicks. The Blue Jays and Braves remind me quite quite a lot of each other at this current moment. The Braves are a better team, but what the Braves have going, I could see the Blue Jays kind of trying to like match that blueprint a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Acuna Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., two of the most raw young talents in the league. Future superstars that we'll be talking about for a long time. That's awesome. We got Astros versus Rays. That's a big AL battle. We got the Indians versus the White Sox in a little AL Central action. White Sox trying to, you know, recoup. Uh, they're 12 and 9, but they're behind the Royals. And the Indians are right there at 10 and 11. We got Royals versus Twins, the two heavyweights in the AL Central. Um, you know, the Twins have been starting out rough. They're 7 and 14, while the Royals are opposite 14 and 7. Uh, but this is going to be a good game. Again, see 
can the uh, Kansas City offense keep up and can Minnesota start getting their shit together? And then we have Dodgers versus Brewers. Yeah, pretty big game. Brewers 13 and 9, Dodgers 15 and 8. That'll be quite the series. I expect the Dodgers to do some work on that one though. And then we have Giants versus Padres, a little NL West battle of two hot teams. Uh, the Giants are 15 and 8 and the San Diego Padres 13 and 11. Padres getting some momentum going with Tatis Jr. back in the lineup. Uh, I'm interested to see how the Giants can hang. So uh, lots of good matchups coming up this week and this weekend. Baseball's, you know, it's it's a long season, but it's starting to warm up. We're starting to see who's who, who's the real deal, uh, but it's still too early to tell. You know, if you were doing power rankings of who's hot right now, I'm sure it would drastically change later. I mean, are the Orioles really going to finish higher than the Yankees, right? Are the uh, Tigers going to have the same record as the Twins? Highly doubt it. Are the Milwaukee Brewers going to win the division? Potentially. Are the Giants going to have one of the best records in baseball? Highly doubt it, but it's a long season. We'll see what happens. I can't wait. I'll be tuning in. I'll be at T-Mobile Friday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. Can't wait. Nothing like a night or a day at the ballpark. And wrapping up, Supercross, man. Last week, Ken Roxon, pretty much, you know, to be an honest per- person, like, Webb still in that show, probably stole the championship. So this was the race. Two left, Salt Lake fucking City showdown, what's going to happen. And then come to find out the 250 East is back. We got the Joe Shimodas, the Jet Lawrences. I was hoping they'd match with the West, but I, I'm guessing that's going to happen next week. But we had lots of action in Salt Lake to finish the season up. And the 250 class, Joe Shimoda, man, becoming the first Japanese Supercross winner. How old is this? We talked about this at the beginning of the year. I want to say 17. Motherfucker, 17, getting a dub. Rep in Japan. Crazy, man. Let's see. They're not going to give me it. He was born in 2002. So it's 2021, so 19. Regardless, fucking crazy. This kid's a stud. Uh, he he reps Kate, uh, Kawasaki, got the first place finish. Jet Lawrence, my guy, my preseason prediction, finishing second. And then Colt Nichols with the third place finish. And he is the points leader, currently standing in first with 187 points. Clearly got the lead against Shimoda, who's in second at 164. Christian Craig in third at 158, right behind Shimoda. And then right behind them is Jet Lawrence in fourth with 151. So two, three, four, all up for grabs. But Nichols running away with the championship this season. But also they match up with the West, so I'm not too sure what's going to happen there. And then tough day in the office for Ken as he just has a terrible start. Cooper Webb starts up pretty high, and that's really all she wrote. Basically, Cooper Webb would have to finish like 15 or worse, and Ken would have to win it for there to be hope. But Moose Can stole the show. He got a first-place finish, KTM repping. KTM going 1-2 with Webb finishing second. Uh, Malcolm Stewart hitting the podium. I think that's the second time, maybe the first time this season. Great to see Malcolm Stewart and the Yamaha team on the podium. Dylan Friend is the rookie with the fourth-place finish. Chase Sexton, another rookie with the fifth-place finish. Honda going 5-6. Roxon finishing sixth. Uh, Justin Anderson, not as good as the race as recent. He's finishing seventh. 
Aaron Plessinger, the rookie, eighth. Dean Wilson, Husqvarna, number nine. And Eli Tomac, the third in the standings, repping the uh, Kawasaki with a 10th place finish. So the points, as it stands right now, Cooper Webb in first uh, with 362 points. That puts him 22 points ahead of Ken Roxon at 340. And Eli Tomac is a little ways behind in third, wet 312. So at this moment, Cooper Webb going to ride his way to the glory land. 250, are they going to mix the east and west? I'm not too sure what's going to happen. Either way, last race in Salt Lake, it's going to be fucking intense. It's going to be balls to the wall. I'll probably be checking that in while I'm at the Mariners-Angels game. Hopefully Mike Trout is hitting some dingers. Otani's hitting some dingers. Love to see it. No hot sports take this week. No non-story story. We're sticking to it. Big week next week. The NFL draft happening. Thanks again to you guys, you sports fans, tuning in. Business and Buckets 21 brought to you by Fueled Supplements. If you're buying subs, get the local guys, right? He's got good shit. You'll be surprised. FueledSupplements.com. Use my promotion code BUCKETS for 20% off. I'm out. See you guys next week.